If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 25. Uh, today we'll, we'll be looking at the whole of 25. And, and as you're turning there, um, I, I don't have to tell probably any of you that uh, life, life can be really hard at times yeah, for seasons. Uh, maybe those seasons are, are really, really long seasons. And sometimes life is hard uh, and it's because of our own actions, our own behaviors, our own, our own choices. Uh, we all know what it's like to make bad decisions that, uh, that are harmful to us and to others. Uh, and, and sometimes we make uh, poor choices that, um, that, that maybe right away we, we know, oh, yeah, that was dumb. I should not have done that. That, that, that hurt. Or, or sometimes it, 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 it takes a while and it's, it's, it needs to compound over time for us to realize how, how bad those choices are. Or sometimes we make a decision that just blows up right in front of us. It's massively destructive. And while that stinks, at least you know that you did it to yourself, right? You brought this upon yourself. Maybe you lost your temper with someone that you love, right? And just, just hurt them, cause them pain. And now uh, you love each other, but man, there's something in between you that needs to get resolved. You need to reconcile. Or, or maybe, um, maybe you gathered uh, with your extended family at some, some holiday, Thanksgiving or Christmas, Easter, um, and, and everybody's there, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, uh, and, and you're just talking and you're talking pretty freely. And, and then you say something that as soon as you say it, you wish you could like get that right back in your mouth because you just, you hurt, you offended like a third of your family. And, and the rest of the family that's not offended, they're even hurt by just the shrapnel of what you just said. Or maybe it's, maybe you just made poor health decisions, right? For, for years and years and doctors are talking to you about your family, your friends are telling you, hey, you, you gotta, you can't live this way. This is gonna catch up to you. And now finally it's become serious. Right? And it's going to take massive life change just for you to, to, to improve your health even a little bit. So scenarios like that, while we don't like it, right? it can be depressing. It can be debilitating. We still recognize, like, man, I brought this on myself. This is on me. And maybe some others contributed in small ways, but, but you've made these decisions, right? Now you're, you're dealing with the consequences of those. Not enjoyable, but it's understandable because we, we get cause and effect and, and you're the primary cause. But what's even worse is when life is hard, but it wasn't caused by you, right? When, when maybe your family blows up or your marriage it blows up because someone decided to make really selfish decisions, right? Or they just gave up and, and left. Or, or when you have health problems that, man, it's not because you were eating poorly or, or doing, doing something addictive. It, you just have this health problem, and, and it, makes, it makes holding a job really hard. It makes going to school difficult. It, it, it's even made your, your friendships, your relationships, just hard to keep up. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's a kid or a grandkid that, man, they're just, they're ruining their life. Right? They're making destructive decisions and, and, and one way or another, man, they've even like just cut you out of their life. And, and I know, I know we have, we have people in our church that you get a family member that you don't even know if they're alive because they've cut everyone off in the family. They've, they've taken off. Or maybe it's the opposite story, right? Maybe, maybe when you were a kid, your, your parent abandoned the family 
right? They chose something else or they chose someone else and they left you to grow up without them. So you had to figure out how you're going to make it in this world. You had to figure out how to, how to grow and develop and mature without the help of that person that was supposed to be there to love you and keep you safe. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not something as extreme as some of those, but it still hurts. Right? You manage, you're, you're high-functioning, but the pain so often, it's just right below the surface. And if the right person asks the right question in the right moment, you're just going to lose it. You went through a time of wondering, maybe even believing that it was actually your fault, but you're coming to realize, no, there's no discernible reason for this. It just happened, and it isn't fair. So often, life just is not fair. And the Apostle Paul, he knew what it was like to face unfair circumstances all too well. He understood that following Jesus did not mean that life would be easy. He experientially knew that what Jesus said in John 16, was spot on. Jesus said, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, right? You will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's jump into Acts 25. Now, three days after Festus uh, had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul. And they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul that he summon him to Jerusalem because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way, right? This is happening again. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So he said, let the men of authority among you go down with me. And if there's anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. After he stayed among them, not more than eight or 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, Uh, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove, right? They couldn't prove them because they were not true. Verse 8, Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, right? Not, Not wishing to do what is right, but wishing to do them a favor, said to Paul, do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I'm standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I'm a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. When some days had passed, Agrippa, the king, and Bernice arrived at uh, Caesarea and greeted Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There's a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them, it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, 
They brought up no charge in his case of such evils as I'd supposed. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who is dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss to investigate how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in, and Festus said, King Agrippa, all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death. And as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I've brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. Right? It, you just read the whole chapter, and you're like, this isn't right. This isn't fair. This is the Apostle Paul. He's done nothing but preach the gospel. Right? He's selflessly, selfish, uh, selfish, selflessly, thank you. Good night. Um, just trying to preach, trying to share Jesus with people. Right? He's, he's agonized over how's he going to reason with, with, with the Gentiles that don't know Jesus? How's he going to reason with the Jews that don't know Jesus? And then Paul just ends up in prison for years, defending himself against these false charges, you know, with those who sit in judgment over him, recognizing time after time, hey, this guy hasn't done anything illegal. Imagine if, if that was how the late, great Billy Graham's life had ended, right, in his last years. Billy, if you don't know, was, was a Christian evangelist. I mean, traveled the world sharing Jesus. And obviously, Billy Graham wasn't perfect. I'm not saying I know some scandal about Billy Graham, but I'm just saying he's human, right? He's, he, he's, he battled sin like every one of us. But man, it would have been a tragedy to see Billy Graham wrongfully in prison. It's no different with Paul. He desired to preach Christ where Christ had not yet been preached. And there were times where he's, he's paying his own way for ministry, right? By, by being a tent maker, just so that he can share Jesus with others so that, so that people won't think that, that he's doing this for the money. How many times have we seen him, right, in the last handful of weeks, uh, accused of crimes, make a defense, and yet nothing sticks. And, and yet here he still is. He, he finds himself in chains, finds himself defending himself over and over again. There's no proof that he'd done anything wrong. But those, those in power... We read multiple times they wanted to keep this, this group of Jews happy, right? It was just classic politics. It wasn't what is right. It was, it, was, it was just a game. So Paul continues to be jailed. In verse 11, he's like, hey, if, I, if I'm guilty, I'll pay for it, right? If I've done something deserving death, I'm not seeking to, to get around that, right? Show me what I'm guilty of. But if I'm not guilty of anything, then why am I still in prison? 
Why do I have to defend myself? Show me or let me go. Verse 16, right? Paul deserves a fair trial and Festus knows it. He understands what is right, but he doesn't do it. He says like, hey, this isn't how the Romans do things. Verse 9, Festus, he's asking, hey, do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and be tried there? And in the end of 10, Paul says to the Jews, I've done nothing wrong as you yourself know. Verse 19, Festus realizes that, that all these charges, they're not, they're not real. This has something to do with their own religion and, and very specifically with this guy named Jesus who died, but Paul swears is alive. In verse 25, again, Festus says, I found nothing, nothing that he's done deserving death. And the same thing was, was said just a couple chapters ago in, in verse 23. And we've got to remember like for us, just, just a week change, right? Like we flipped a page. For Paul, that was two years of life from when he first met Felix last week when we, were, when we were talking about that. So this is quick to us, but man, think about what changes in, in two years. Think about in your own life, what has changed in, in two years. Right? The places that, that you've gone to, the experiences that you've had, the, the highs and lows over a two-year period of time. Right? The, if you have kids or grandkids, like it, it is amazing how much kids change, not, not even just in years, but in months. Right? Or even for ourselves as we get older, there are changes that we're probably not so happy about um, over two years. No, none of you. Good. I got more gray hair, and I think I'm carrying more weight. But a lot can happen in two years. One thing that's shocking to me as I read this story, it's amazing to see that, that this, this group of Jews and they're so angry over years now. Like, obviously, I get angry like everybody else. But man, a little bit of time, or sometimes a lot of time, but, but time seems to chill me out, right? Like, I, I cool down. I gain some perspective. Uh, I recognize as big as the issue feels that I'm facing in this moment, man, grand scheme of things, it's, it's probably not that big of a deal. But man, not for this group. They, they want Paul just as dead as they did the last time they tried to ambush him. So now he's before the king. This is Herod Agrippa, right? And, and we, there are lots of Herods that we hear about in Scripture. So Herod Agrippa is the, the grandson of Herod the Great, right? And we remember Herod the Great in the Gospels. Uh, he hears that, that there's this Jesus, the newborn king of the Jews. So he orders that the baby boys be, be killed, trying to eradicate this, this threat to the throne, right? Um, then, then Herod Agrippa's own dad, that was the one in Acts chapter 12. He's wearing that, that super nice robe and, and people start chanting like the voice of a God and not a man. And, and, and man, he takes all that praise and then, and then dies. The Herods do not have a good track record. They're not, they're not good people. But I'm going to actually, I'm going to explain to you how bad Herod Agrippa is through Bernice, who's with him. So Bernice's first husband uh, was her uncle, uh, which is so gross, right? Disgusting. Um, and, and yet what's shocking is that was probably the good marriage that she had. Um, and there were rumors that Bernice and Agrippa were in an incestuous relationship. So their brother and sister, uh, to, to try and deal with those rumors, she married uh, a, another king of, a, of another place, not, not that far off. He didn't want to, but she was loaded, 
and, and, and paid a lot of money for them to, to have this, this sham of a marriage. It didn't last long because uh, she wanted to go back to Agrippa. Um, and, and we know, right, in 2023, man, that's disgusting. The Romans knew it too, and they openly made fun of these siblings. And these, these are the people that stand in judgment of Paul. Right? That's crazy. That, that, that that's the, the, the caliber uh, of people that are going to judge Paul, right? Last week, Felix, Drusilla, they're not great, right? They're, they're underhanded. They're shady. Uh, he, was, he was having people killed that called him out on, on his, his poor behavior. But now Agrippa and Bernice, they stand as his judges and, and just look at this and go, man, this isn't right, right? This isn't how... How, how trials and, and judgment is supposed to work. We understand, right? A person uh, breaks the law or is accused of breaking the law, right? They're, they're arrested. Uh, they get a lawyer. Um, there's this judge assigned to their trial, and the judge is, is flawed but, but is known as someone like with, with some level of integrity, right, and, and reputation for being fair. Like that is one thing, and, and we, we see that. We understand that. We expect that. Actually, we even demand that, but what Paul's facing isn't even close to that. Right? The, the, the person that, that's full of integrity is the one on trial. And the one whose behavior is just grotesque, that's the king. That's, that's the one that, that's getting to judge. It's not right. The world is, is messed up. And some of you, you haven't experienced this thing, but, but you know how it is to have someone over you that you're like, how in the world did they get that position? right? Their resume is nothing compared to yours, right? They, they, they don't have the, the experience, the skill set, and, and you, you're just thinking, how are they there? Like, why do they, why do they get to make decisions that impact my life, my work life, right? Do they know someone? Or are they related to the owner? That, do they do something just underhanded to get this job that, that I'm so much more qualified for? Sometimes we look at, at people in power and we just go, man, that doesn't make any sense at all. That is not fair. And this whole chapter to me just screams, man, this isn't fair. Right? This, is, this is messed up. Right? They, they know he's done nothing wrong. Paul's done nothing, and yet they keep him in prison. He has to go before person after person, make his defense before judges that, that really, they're just slimy. So why, why does Luke put this here? We remember that Luke is a, a historian, but that doesn't mean he's just recording the facts, right? He, he does an incredible job of telling the, the story of the continued work of Jesus by the Holy Spirit through the early church. So what's he doing here? Like, why does Paul demand to go to Caesar? Well, there, there's several reasons that I, that I think are true, but there's one that, that I think is the, the top reason. One, one simple reason that is true is that Paul knew he wasn't going to get a fair trial in Jerusalem. Like, obviously, that was not going to happen. But that's, I don't think that's the primary reason here. Another reason very well could be, because we've seen this theme throughout the book of Acts, that, that in order to show people like Theophilus, who this book is written to, um, that, that Christianity, to be a Christian, doesn't mean that you're, you're this, this bad citizen or a rebel, right? Christianity isn't breaking the law. And we see that over and over again through Acts, as there's these legal battles, and Christianity is vindicated over and over again. They've done nothing wrong, but, but even that isn't the point. Let's go back to Acts 9.15. 
This is the Lord speaking to Ananias. Um, Lord said to him, go for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles uh, and kings and the children of Israel. How improbable, even impossible this must have seemed to Ananias, that Paul would speak before kings, that he'd speak before the Gentiles, the children of Israel. Because Paul, at that time, right, he, he was a big deal in, in, uh, in the circles of the Pharisees. Right? He was the, the lead uh, persecutor of Christians. Um, but then he meets Jesus on the road. Right? Jesus confronts him. He says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who, who are you, Lord? He reveals, I'm Jesus, the, the one that you are persecuting. You're persecuting my people. And he, he blinds him. And then he sends Ananias and he says, this guy, this guy's going to carry the good news. He's going he's to speak my name to Gentiles, to kings, to the children of Israel. That's what Paul is going to do. We remember back in Acts 23, 11, right? This is two years before what we've read today. It says the, the following, or no, more than two years, sorry. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. And God had a plan. And God's plan was to get Paul to Rome. And, and he could have done that any way he wanted, right? He could have just beamed him there, right? We remember uh, Philip, after talking to the Ethiopian, God transports him to a different place. God could have done that. Right? God could have, he could have sent him on a ship. Paul has sailed on, on many ships through his journey. He, he, could have, he could have put him in contact, given him some relationship with some high up Roman official right, that, that brings Paul to some party for Caesar. And there he could have shared about Jesus. But man, that would not have allowed Paul to speak about Jesus before the tribune. That wouldn't have gotten Paul to speak about Jesus before Felix and Drusilla and Festus and Agrippa and Bernice. God was always going to have him preach before kings. Think about his time in prison too. What did he do during those times? We call it most of the New Testament is what he did in prison. These letters came as Paul was in chains. And he had plenty of time to think and pray and to write to these churches that he could not go to see in prison. Man, and we're the benefactor of that a couple thousand years later. If Paul was free, I wonder what he would have been doing. My guess is, based off his track record, that he would have been preaching. He would have been preaching a ton. He, he would have been preaching more than, uh, more than like most pastors are told to preach in a given year. Uh, I doubt that he would have made a ton of time to write. Right? He wanted to speak. He wanted to go to large groups and small groups and, and anyone that would listen to him about this Jesus. God made Paul to speak. He made Paul to teach. And we know he made Paul to write for the church, scripture. Right? This was God's plan. The time in prison, even, was God's plan. Uh, I want you to just listen. I've got verses. They're not going to be on the screen. These are, these are some of the things that Paul wrote in prison to us. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Another one. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of the faith. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He also wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And lastly, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a lot of fruit born in prison. Most of that came out of prison. Those, those words were produced in, in times that we look at and go, that's not fair. That is not right. That is messed up that he's in there. And yet God had a plan for Paul. Right? God had Paul on his way to Rome. God was at work in ways that couldn't be predicted, couldn't be planned. Those who were involved didn't even know, right? Festus didn't realize that he was preventing this ambush that was planned against Paul. He had no idea, but this wasn't chance. This was God executing his plan. Right? When we think about the timing of all of this, we know that, that in a little bit, Nero is going to go off his rocker, and he's, he's going to horribly persecute Christians, but God had not allowed that yet. So as Paul makes this appeal to Caesar, it is still a good time. It's still a good plan to do that in order to get Paul to Rome. And at this time, even under Roman law, there was still some fair treatment, some fair treatment of Christians. By AD 65, that would, be, that would not be the case. That'd be out the window as persecution just skyrockets. But through all the trials, the, the horrible people that, that held Paul in jail without ca uh, cause, the, the plots against him, God was doing exactly what he said he would do in order to have Paul preach and write even about Jesus, right? These were God's divine plans and God would not fail. And you might find yourself maybe right now in life and it feels Acts 25-like. It just feels like life is so hard. Like, like these things that you're dealing with are not fair at all. Maybe you're just barely hanging on. Or maybe that's not you today, right? Maybe, maybe not, but at some point, man, we all go through these seasons that feel like Acts 25. And one thing that we've got to remember, because it, it is so hard to even see straight ahead in those moments. One thing we've got to remember is, is that we're not at the end of our stories, right? If you're a Christian, you know, we know how this all ends, 
right? We know Jesus is coming back. He's going to gather his people, right? Eternity with him, which isn't just no more pain, no more sorrows, no more tears, no disease. All that's awesome, right? That we won't have that. That's great. But man, it's that we'll be in fellowship with Christ, our King, forever. And, and, and that sounds great probably to every one of us right now. And at the same time, you might be just going, yeah, but, but how does this right now fit? This thing that, that I've been going through for, for months or, or years, how does this fit? Uh, I'm sure many of us, man, we just look around the world and, and I just get, I get so sad about the state of our world. There's a lot of, of difficulty and tribulation in this world. And maybe you look around and you feel like, man, this is, this is unfair. Like, not exactly, obviously, what Paul experienced in Acts 25, but you're wondering, God, wh where are you going with this? What are, you, what are you doing? Where are you taking me in this? God, what's your purpose here? Let's flip back to the, the beginning of Acts, Acts 1.8. And this really is like the table of contents for the, the book of Acts. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right, right, God, God called this shot. He said, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do in you, my church. Right, to the ends of the earth. Paul's going to go to the very most important city at the time. Uh, right? He was going to go to Rome. And, and, and he was going to be able to speak before Caesar. Right, Jesus was going to do that in him. Right? He started with 120 disciples, and the gospel was going to go to the ends of the earth. Look at the very end of Acts 28, 30, and 31. This is Paul. He's in Rome. This is how the book ends. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all, with all boldness and without hindrance. Right? We see the beginning in Acts 1-8. We see the very end. Like we, we know how God ends it. But man, sometimes that middle in chapters like, like 25 in life, it's so hard. It's, it's, it's disorienting. It's disheartening. And that's why we need brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? We need brothers and sisters that can help remind each other, like, hey, yeah, I don't know what God is doing right now either. Right? Like sometimes you, you got a brother or sister in Christ, they're telling you what's going on, and you just, you don't have words. Right? You, you, you don't know what, what God is doing in this hard thing in that moment. And yet, man, we got to remind each other, God is at work. Even if it's scary for you to say that to, to this other Christian, God is at work. Man, God is, God is good. God loves you. God is never scrambling, and he's got a plan. And you and I, man, we can't see it right now, but I'm telling you, he, he's, he's working. We can trust him. Every Thursday, I sit with a group of pastors, 2 to 3 o'clock every Thursday. It's on my schedule. Uh, we sit and, uh, together uh, in one of our offices, and we just pray for each other. 
right? This, the, our whole goal is to encourage and support one another through prayer. So there's, that's our whole agenda, right? So we don't know what's going to happen week by week, except that we're going to pray. And it's, it's a group of like four to six of us, depending on the week. And, and, and we share, we share real things. Uh, we share hard things, but man, some weeks, there, there are things that are shared that just have such a, a heaviness to them, right? Just so much, uh, so much gravity to them. And, and, and in it, man, there've been, I mean, there've been many, many Thursdays from two to three where, or one or, or all of us are crying. But man, what we do over and over again, and particularly this one guy, he looks at us and he, he's the guy that's been a pastor a lot longer than the rest of us. And he says, God is at work. He's going to use this. And, and we've gotten better collectively at saying that to one another. God is at work. God is for you, right? He loves you. He's steadfast in that love. Man, we need to remember that God is good. We need to be reminded about eternity. Even though that seems so far away and we can't wrap our brain around, we need to be reminded. Youth group, we're going through uh, uh, the life of Joseph, right? Many of you probably know uh, the, the story of Joseph. Some of you may not, but, but God sent Joseph, this, uh, one of the youngest sons, ahead uh, to save his family. And at the end of the story, he's, he's able to say, as his brothers come to get grain from him because of this, this horrible famine, at the end of the story, he's able to say, what you intended for evil, God intended, or God, God purposed for good. And that's, that's the end of the story, right? I don't know if he felt that when his brothers threw him into a pit because they were jealous of him and he bugged him. Right? I don't know if he felt that when they sold him off as a slave, I don't know if he felt that when he was falsely accused or when he was sitting in jail. I don't know if he felt that when the, the chief cupbearer who, who said, yeah, I'll tell Pharaoh about you when I'm freed and he forgot for years. I, I don't know if he felt those things. I don't know, if he, I don't know if, he, if he knew that then. I do think he knew that God was with him, but he didn't have the clarity, right? He didn't have the clarity that, 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 that could say, man, what my brothers did, what they intended for evil, God meant it for good. Right? I guarantee that God had to do a ton of healing work in his life for him to be able to see that, to be able to believe that and then say that to them, right? To be able to see his brothers and recognize, man, God was in all of this because you just, you can't see it in that moment, right? We just barely see a couple steps in front of us. We can't make sense of the unfairness that, that we're in, but God is at work. Right, I'm not saying that life won't hurt. It, it will. Right? It doesn't mean that you won't experience loss or hardship. You will. It doesn't mean you won't be wronged, but we can trust that our God is good, that, that he loves you, that he's working out what he's planned long before you and I came into being. Right? We worship a God who works through the it's not fair circumstances of life. And ultimately, he, he saves us. Right, through, through the way that, that was not fair at all as he takes our sin and our shame with him to the cross. The perfectly righteous one who took our place, he took our debt and he died so that we can live. Right? That's not fair. Right? This is the God that, that we worship. So we, we can wonder, God, what are you up to right now? Because I, I cannot see it, but we do not have to wonder if God is at work in, in things that are not fair at all. In his goodness, God is always at work. 
in, in all things for the good of those who trust him. I had, a, I had a pastor years ago tell me that God never wastes pain. And man, that has stuck with me. Like God doesn't waste a, a drop. He, he doesn't waste an ounce of, of the pain that we feel. He is, he is always at work and we can trust him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we, we love you, Lord. And, and man, we, on some level, um, most people in this room do trust you. And yet I bet all of those people, and I include myself, Lord, I, I need to trust you more. I want to trust you more. God, would you help us? Well, very specifically, Lord, will you help my brothers and sisters in Christ that right now, man, it's, just, it's hard to even come to church because things just hurt so bad. Lord, will you hold their hearts? God, would they know that you love them, that you are good, God, that they can trust you. God, will you help them to cling to you? God, we, man, uh, they're, as their brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, we're holding them up in prayer. God, we, we want them to, man, to continue to fight the good fight, to run the good race, Lord. God, we know all of us are going to go through those times where, where we just can't, we can't see what you're doing now, but Lord, would we, would we see what you will do in the end? Lord, would we be reminded in, in, in stories like Paul and just see all the fruit that you, you bear in hardship, Lord. Jesus, help us. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.